Hey, everybody. Welcome to Know Your Gear QA number 80. What are we, 82? 82. Uh, the best QA show on Fridays at 3 o'clock, I'm pretty sure of it. And I want to thank everybody who makes this possible. Obviously, the ones that watch, the ones that support, the ones that click like buttons, the ones that share. All of you have been instrumental in uh, everything I do. But, of course, there's a couple of you that I just want to mention because they help also make this show possible. And that is the uh, the, the uh, Level 1 crew. And that is Bradulous, Jeff Howe, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce, and the One Blood Wee Band, Heiner Gunson, John Jacks, Michael Shy, Justin. Justin Mabe, David Madison, Andrew Good, Anthony Desposito, Billy Robertson, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode, Brian Stewart, and Bill Brotherton. He's a newer one uh, that's been helping out, and I, for some reason I didn't catch him. So I'm sorry, Bill. Uh, you've been doing this for a while and no mentions, so extra mention for you today. Bill, thank you so much. Carlos uh, Patillo, Ch Chuck Keane, Chris Glaze, Craig Parker, Daniel Psychic, Dylan87, James Biles, Joe Watson, Jonathan Pickering, Joseph McCarthy, Kermit Jackson, Lawrence Petros, Lee Hawkins, Lonnie Hoke, Michael Lidner, Paul Ostrike, Lewis and Alvaro Pedal Pal Effects. Hey, you know what? We're going to be hanging out tomorrow. We're going to go see Slash together. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Ricky Robinson, Robert Books, Robert Hodges, Robert Wood Guitar, Scott Tompkins, Space Jazz, Steve Pinna, Tim, you know, just Tim, and of course, Tim Camacho, who is the Tim with a last name. Uh, here we go. Hey, everybody. How's it going? How was your week? I hope your week was good. My week's good, considering it's still 180,005 degrees right now. <laughs> it's, uh, it is September, and sometimes the downfall of living in a desert is that when the summer is over for a lot of people, it just doesn't end here. <laughs> and I've been just feeling it like crazy. In fact, I might even have a funny story for you. In fact, I will. I'll start the show. We're going to start the show with a funny story. If you watched the uh, my five, not five, my ten favorite MXR pedals video. Here's the funny story. I'm making some videos. Some of you guys know this behind the scenes stuff. I'm making some, some repair videos uh, for obviously for the channel, YouTube channel, but also for some other things going on. There's all kinds of things, le levels, layers happening, but more importantly, I've been in the shop. So my gear was in the shop. And when I decided to do the video, I didn't want to haul the gear back upstairs. As you can see behind me, there's no cameras and stuff. Usually behind me, you see a camera or two. Uh, it's all downstairs. And uh, the funny story was it was 108 outside and uh, in the afternoon. And uh, to get the videos to sound great, I need to turn off the AC because uh, it hums in the cameras. So I turned it off. By the So if you watch the video of me doing the MXR pedals, be aware it was 101 degrees in that room so if i look a little red and if i look a little sweaty and maybe a little tired at the end that's because even though that to you guys that video was like 16 minutes that's the edit down from about 48 minutes in exact length it was so it was about an hour of uh 101 degrees in a room with no fans and no ac so uh i don't know it was good maybe it helps uh, maybe it made my skin look better i don't know supposed to sweating supposed to be good for you so we'll we'll say that uh you guys helped me as much as i helped you i did a video and you guys helped me sweat out some some stuff uh, all right what do we got going on anyone got anything exciting or anything you guys want to talk about ask a question about before we get started with our normal qa shenanigans uh jeff says it's 83 in honolulu well you know uh, you know i wonder here's the funny jeff a uh, funny thing jeff I have no reference of that in to me 83 is like yes 
that's amazing. Is that hot? Like, I don't know if you're referencing, like you're, you're bragging, like it's 83 here. It's awesome. Or if you're saying, man, 83 is hot there because so, you know, um, I am aware of certain things. Like I go to San Diego and San Diego to me, when it's like 85 in San Diego, it's just, uh, I don't, I hate it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, we went summer one time. We went to San Diego to get away from the heat. It was like 115 here. And we went to San Diego. It was 92 there. And in the 92 there was worse than the 115 here. Uh, kinda. So that's how it felt. Uh, and then I'm going to do a quick shout out before the show even started, before I even turned on a button, William Thornton, he just did a super chat for five bucks for no reason. Well, thank you, William. Uh, I appreciate that. That's, that's nice. Uh, uh, that was very kind of you. So let's go to uh, Raymond. I'm gonna take a drink of coffee. Because as I just complained about how hot it is, I'm drinking coffee, uh, mostly because it's the afternoon and I'm a little run down. Um, a lot of repairs in this week. I've had a lot of repairs to do this week. Uh, okay, so it says, uh, I want to purchase an amp head. I'm looking at the PV3120, 120 watt tube USA, the Hughes and Kittner switchblade, 100 watts, each of them $400, thoughts on each. Oh, that's tough. I've played both those amps. And here's the thing about the switchblade. For me, it was a really cool amplifier. Um, you know, I'm curious. I can't remember if the switchblade was made in Germany or if it's an import version of their stuff. Um, so, and I want to, I'll tell you this, the, th the 3120 for me by PV, it, what I loved is I thought it had a great clean channel and I thought the gain was just monstrously mean. It was, a, it was one of those sleeping amps, you know, like uh, it just it was better than, um, uh, then, you know, you make it me want a 3120. Where's it for 400 bucks? Maybe we'll start bidding against each other. Um, okay. So uh, me, if I was me, um, here's the interesting part. Uh, I would pick the, th the PV 3120. That would be my choice of me picking. And, um, that's a tough thing. It, it actually hurts me. That's what I'm holding my chest right now to say, because I have a great relationship with Hughes and Kittner and I love those guys. I have no relationship with PV. So it's, it, it tells you that it hurts to say that when you pick, you know, I have this, sometimes you have to just, you know, go with the truth, but uh, it's tough. You you want to recommend your friends when you can, but man, that PV thirty one twenty was just a great amp. I like it more than the fifty one fifty. I always thought the thirty one twenty was like this, like I said, a sleeper amp because I thought the clean channel was great. I thought it was a great amp. So, I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on that. If you want to make comments, uh, let me know. And go back. Let's. You know what I didn't do last week? I was so good at it. This week I did not open up. A super chat screen so last week's uh problems with the uh, super super chat screens locking up uh i'm going to avoid that by pulling it up in another window so that uh i don't don't lose them and also we don't have any sticking points because there is something uh up with youtube and like keeping me locked into the super chats hold on a second let's click out of this one more the chat show the chat <laughs> yeah i don't know what this is and why it's doing this it's like do i have to click something now to tell it to, to tell it i answered the I just remove nope it it's actually blocked me out this is horrible okay hold on a second let me go back don't you guys love watching a live show it's just like what Saturday Live said. You get to watch the live show. You get to see all the good and the bad. All right. Uh, let's find some stuff. What do we got going on? Um, Todd. Min, minute, Nick. <laughs> 
by Menon. Uh, thoughts on Michael Kelly guitars? Oh, uh, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on Michael Kelly guitars. Michael Kelly guitars uh, was sold to Sam Ash. Sam Ash owns them. Uh, I uh, So Sam Ash is now the owner of Michael Kelly. You'll probably start noticing them more and more in the Sam Ash stores. Now, I know I did a restring clinic at Sam Ash, and I know you guys have seen Sam Ash on the show, and I've had some interaction with him. Please understand that I'm 100% isolated from Sam Ash. It means I don't have any... Uh, back-end information. I don't know anything. That's just something I know it happened. Uh, you know, I even, unfortunately, I'm not going to share, but I even know what it was sold for. I don't think anybody was supposed to know, but anyways, I know. And um, so, yeah, now what I did see after I did that restring clinic was I saw a display of Michael Kelly being put up at that Sam Ash location. And I was able to pick up a couple to see, because I was curious to see, you know, I've always had great respect for the Michael Kelly guitars before. They felt pretty good. They they were they were they were good quality. Uh to see if it changed. I didn't get any impressions of it changed. Um, the only thing I can tell you, Todd, is I have uh I did send an email to Sam Ash saying, Hey, you know, I, I like you guys, obviously. And uh, you let me come in your stores a couple of times. I said, I know you guys might I told them I knew I was aware of the Michael Kelly situation that they bought them and I would like to do some reviews for them. And in all fairness and uh, fairness and transparency, I've also at the exact time, I've also reached out to Guitar Center and asked to review the Mitchell brand. And the reason is is because a lot of you guys brought up the Harley Benton guitars and I thought, I want to hit all of them. If you guys want me to look at in-house brands, I want to hit all the in-house brands and talk about them. So, uh, so far, no feedback yet. Sam Ash, uh, the company sent back saying, hey, uh, we're the Michael uh, Kelly line is new to them and they're, you know, they're doing all this stuff and, and in the future, we'll see what happens, you know, right? I, I got the impression it was too soon to ask. Uh, the Guitar Center guys were a little bit more accommodating. They responded back with, yeah, they would like to promote the Mitchell brand and uh, maybe have me do some reviews. And uh, so, you know, just for uh, this particular instance, uh, uh, to the agreements I plan to do with these companies will be 100% hands-off. In other words, there'll be no money transacting, no payments, no help uh, to, to support the channel financially, no free gear either. I'll uh, either, uh, if they give me product, we'll give it away. We'll do giveaways for the, the product. Because um, again, I, I know here's why this is important to me. Um, what I'm thinking is, is just like the Harley Benton, you guys have tons of them. I'm thinking the Mitchell brand, you know, 300 guitars in our stores, 20 pegs per store. looks like when I go into their stores are Mitchell brands. Um, so I'm thinking a lot of you guys might have Mitchells. <laughs> so I'd like to be able to uh, look at them and have, you know, just not be, you know, it, attached or working with those companies yet. So, so like I said, that's, that's what I know about Michael Kelly and those other brands. Um, I'm really uh, interested because I like this new future of kind of like if you're familiar with Costco, they have Kirkland. You know, I think it's smart. A lot of companies in the past have tried in-house brands and uh, they have not uh, done really well. And uh, I think this is the, the great now because here's the real reality. If we want these larger brick and mortar stores to stick around, they're going to have to figure out how to increase their margins. And I would rather them pull in their own in-house brands to do that than you know, uh, do something crazy, like ask uh, the manufacturers we love to change things or maybe degrade things. You know what I mean? I mean, the margin has got to be there. Uh, you know, it's not, it doesn't take, it's no, there's no uh, stretch of the imagination to understand what the extreme cost put into uh, running a, you know, a 20,000 square foot store. It's, it's got a heavy cost. So there you go. But all right. Um, Here's a good, uh, Joshua's got a, Hey, what's better? The Les Paul standard or the traditional, you know, uh, it's funny. I spent a long time, uh, literally no kidding. Uh, I want to say six hours. I could have been longer. I'm gonna say six, six hours. Just music store, literally playing all the Les Pauls. Um, 
I prefer the standard over the traditional. You got to understand the major issue for me, Josh, is that, or Joshua, is that I don't like heavy guitars. Traditional guitars are non-weight relieved. That's why they're called traditional. They're the traditionally made traditional way without the weight relieving, the weight relief system, which is, it's changed over the years. I think the current way is probably the correct way still, which is they drill holes. So they take the mahogany block, they drill holes. You guys could Google this, you know, you know, you get the idea. They drill some holes, they put the maple cap on, obviously the holes uh at air and then they inject helium no i'm just kidding none of that's true <laughs> they literally just drill holes and then obviously by the absence of of uh, a material the guitar is lighter um a lot of people don't uh, don't like the standards because of that reason they think that they uh the weight relieving system is uh it, you know it affects the tone um you think tone wood is an argument what about the absence of wood argument you know that more wood is better much less anything else uh it, it, for me it just comes down to um I don't care as long as it's, uh, you know, the right weight, but something to point out, you know, yesterday when I was having the employee pull down the traditionals, um, are the guitars, they saw some traditionals and they said, well, you don't want these are heavy. And I said, well, you got to lift each one. Cause they're up high. They're on a ladder. Um, and, uh, I said, you know, cause I told the employee when they go up, Hey, don't even, don't even bring them down if they're heavy, just lift it. If it's like a boat anchor, just leave it up there. And, uh, they said, well, you, sh we, you know, I won't even try the traditionals. I said, you never know because weight d density and weight changes. There's moisture and weight. There's, uh, you know, in the wood, there's all kinds of stuff. And they picked up a track. The lightest guitar in the entire store was a traditional. So just by luck of the draw. So I prefer standards because the overall, they're a little lighter. But if I had a traditional in the uh, weight relieved, I'd like that better for two reasons. One, a solid piece of wood could be cool. And also traditionals typically are a little less money than standards. And uh, I... You know, to me, the Les Paul, the whole Fender and Les Paul and their, we are Gibson, I should say, Gibson, Fender and Gibson and their, actually, everybody's guilty of this. You can throw PRS and all the guys in this too, but Fender and Gibson stick out the most to me with their, uh, you know, changing little things that makes price increases pretty extreme. Seems weird to me, but, you know, we're all suckers for it, uh, including myself, you know. All right. Um, what else do we got going on? Let's hit... Let's hit, oh, hold on. Let me go to my other screen and do a refresh. And, all right. Uh, Serang says, hey, Phil, missed last week's show. Glad to be early today, though. I'm glad you're early today, too. Uh, have you any advice, stories of traveling on oh, in the air with guitars and gear? Yeah, on airplane stuff. Yeah, I, I do have some advice. I mean, I'll give you the advice I use. Um, I don't like to check, uh, guitars. My personal experience with checking guitars is that every time, uh, not every time, eight out of 10 times I've checked a guitar on airline, the case has been damaged. Um, it's not the end of the world. That's what the case is there for, but it's just something to be aware of. So if you have a case you care about, you have to understand, you know, be aware they, they damage them a lot. And a lot of these cases look more durable than they actually are. That's another concern. A lot of wood cases too. You know, wood cases, these vinyl wood cases that you see for guitars, there's different thicknesses. There's ply, you know, right? Like plywood because it's plywood. So there's like three ply and five ply and stuff. And so like the five ply ones are really durable and the three plies get, you know, get smashed pretty easy. Um, but me personally, I like to travel with the guitar if I can take it with me on the plane. And um, what I always recommend is never check the guitar, take it on the plane. What you do is take it on the plane. Even if the employee at the airport's like, oh no, there's no, just, you know what? Take it on the plane. I take it on the plane and here's what happens. And this sometimes does happen. You can sometimes fit it over the overhead. If not, you can put it in the closet. And the worst case scenario I've experienced me personally is if you're on the plane and they tell you there's no room and it can't be on the plane, they will just run it down 
to the, you know, they'll run it. They'll, they give it to a runner and a runner, you know, tags it and they put it and they check it for you um, and put it inside the plane. Now I know the world's changing rapidly and I feel like every time I go to an airline, they're charging me for something. So I'm not, I have no doubt now that they probably do that and then add $25 obviously for checking it or even running it now, who knows? But to me, there's a, uh, the, the, the thing about luggage in my experience is it's, last in is first off so it's like the best of both worlds so if your your guitar go they run it down and put it in the in the cargo bay underneath last you know there's less likely stuff being thrown on top of it or being damaged and then when it's pulled out again it's just pulled out and it's again less likely to be damaged because if you were watching when you're on playing they, they kind of put them in those carts and stuff but that's the things i do but more importantly travel uh with a, a good case that's a that's a good good idea or some of those super gig bags work great for me too the other thing i like to do and i because i'm not a gigging musician where i tour that way i'm usually traveling uh, even though sometimes for work with the guitar but not necessarily like you know something i need uh, an exact guitar for a performance i take an inexpensive guitar with me i tend to take guitars if i'm flying on planes that you know if it got damaged i wouldn't you know it wouldn't ruin the whole trip let's just put that way uh uh Hobbs says um how is your experience on reverb selling on reverb ben do you get a lot of questions uh, followed by an offer of 60% of your list price? Well, you know, Reverb is no different than eBay and Craigslist in the environment that, you know, the buyers are, they're going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be the extremes, extremely good, nice people you're going to meet, extremely bad, you know, jerks. Um, my experience with Reverb buying and selling, and I mostly buy on Reverb way more than I sell, um, and is uh, positive. I had I've had a few bad experiences uh, buying, and I've had a couple bad experiences selling. My uh, the thing about uh, Reverb uh, is that they are really hands on, and I've had some really great and bad experiences to the extreme because of that being hands on. So I'll give you some I'll give you some insight on that. Maybe if you guys have experienced this stuff, and if not, maybe this will give you insight. Um, I've had situations where I shipped a guitar to somebody and the case got damaged. And what Reverb will do because you, I use their shipping system, they will take care of the buyer. They'll contact the buyer. They'll handle the claim. They'll do everything. I I did nothing. It was like I, I shipped the guitar. The bu the buyer said, "Hey, the case is damaged in shipping," and Reverb took care of everything, including taking care of their case or whatever. Uh, Reverb took care of everything. It was it was it was amazing. It was like uh, you know more than you can ever ask for. I've also had the experience. So you know, like a good example, if you guys ever saw the video where I bought a used uh, Paul Reed Smith Archon head and it was damaged by the uh, seller because they packed it horribly. I made a video of that and I, uh, you know, contacted the seller. Now what the seller did is they contacted Reverb to let them know that I was unhappy with the purchase and Reverb got involved and Reverb made the situation horrible uh, to the point where the only way it got saved was at the last minute, I just got this idea. What if I just contact that guy directly? And, and so I did, I contacted directly and said, uh, let's just kick reverb out of this situation. Here's what I want. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wanted a discount because it was damaged and it was, it was, it was his fault packing it wrong. And he agreed. And, um, but the problem was reverb uh, kept coming up with crazy solutions that were making both of us frustrated. And so in that case that happens, but overall, I, I will tell you this, that all being said, I could probably cite some other instances of goods and bads, but what I will tell you is this, as I keep repeating that statement, uh, I, I buy and sell on reverb. It's where I prefer to buy and sell over eBay and Craigslist. Craigslist, uh, Craigslist should officially uh, call themselves Craigslist, 
where people with no money shop. I mean, Craigslist will drive you nuts. It's all either trades or tire kickers, and it will make you, uh, they will turn you into a crazy person uh, dealing on Craigslist for me as a whole. Um, I do do on Craig, uh, I do do buying on Craigslist as you guys uh, seen and selling. Um, but again, I try not to. Obviously, sometimes you're just stuck with that. But yeah, uh, that's my experiences. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, the second part is, do you get a lot of questions, you know, followed by a 6% offer? Yeah, of course. You know, like, Hey, would you do this and this and has this and this, and then here's your offer, uh, something this, um, the offer things, man, I, I I'm just going to tell you as I, as, as I would tell you, if I was, you know, we're, we're friends, to Tobin, we're friends. Um, you got a lot, let them get you down. They're going to, of course, people are going to send stupid offers. And sometimes it's not even because they're, they're jerks or they're dumb. It's because they just are uneducated about things. Um, you know, you know what I, I can tell you? A, a weird condition that's installed in us is, especially guitar players, is you could have something that you know it's worth $300 and you put it for $250 on reverb because you just want to get rid of it. And you know you can make $50 more if you wait, but you're not, you know, you just want to get rid of it. And instead of it selling right away, you'll get 50 offers for $200. And you're like, I'm already cheaper than everybody else. Why are you offering it? And it's because really what happens is, for lack of a better uh, term, chumming the water. You're just telling people, they, they don't read it as you don't mind losing $50 and you just want to get rid of it. They look at it like maybe you're desperate and they like the pressure on that, see how desperate you are. So you got to just not take that stuff to, uh, to, uh, to heart. Um, let's see. Tony, Tony says, Phil, did I get bumped from patron level one to level two and level two? Uh, no, not as far as I know, but Tony, so you know, I'm reading off the website and the website is not hundred percent updated to the Patreon uh, changeover. So if there's anything incorrect uh, right now, it's kind of, we're in a, we're in a transferring uh, thing. We have two things going on right now. Uh, those of you guys who email regularly, you know that Michael uh, shy is, is amazing and he's answering tons of emails and we're, he's, he's, he's the guy on the deck now for the, the website and stuff. Um, and we have a new website coming. So you guys know the current website, I am shocked at the volume that is going to the website and, uh, and, and reading the history of gear articles. In fact, I'll share that with you because I just like, I like this week was, uh, this is great. Uh, this week was the, uh, history of the, uh, of using Kidner. So if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, let's reiterate on the know your gear website. There is a page called the history of gear You can click right here. And, uh, there's all kinds of gear and explaining the history of that stuff. It's all light reading, you know, something you can do on your phone. We're formatted for phone and, uh, you know, if you're just somewhere and you like, you want to read a quick article, read our article. Um, right now, whether it changes, I don't know. I don't guarantee anything, I, but I just guarantee that I'll inform you. Uh, right now, 100% of the website is not funded. In other words, we don't have any sponsorship. If you see any uh, banners on the website that you know are brand uh, banners, I just put them on there. <laughs> just because they're companies that, that have been nice to us and we put them on there, but no one's officially paying for anything. So what's nice about this, all these articles have no uh, meaning behind them other than me and Michael talk one week and go, wouldn't it be cool if we talked about uh, something? In fact, the Hughes and Kittner thing was, we saw the YouTube videos of the new Hughes and Kittner amp and me and Mike uh, were talking to like, wouldn't it be cool to do a uh, article on Hughes and Kittner and Mike did the article. So, um, so to, to answer your question, if there's anything going on with what I'm saying or doing, we'll, we'll correct it. Um, but right now, just to understand we're in flux as we're trying to improve everything for everyone. Um, 
Danny Elliott, uh, Danny Elliott, whatever. I'm trying to say the name, but it's moving. Okay, there's. Uh, says, can't you just refuse to sell? And that's he's re re referencing back to the uh, reverb comments uh, where I was talking about reverb just now. Yeah, of course you can always not sell to somebody. Yeah. Um, and I think, and, and that's why I said, I don't take the offers, uh, uh, offensively. I just kick them back. The only thing I hate uh, about sometimes the low ball offers is that compulsively, I, when I'm handling it, uh, I like to send a response, not just a, you know, decline. I like to say, you know, no. And also another problem is if I have something up, I'll just tell you, you know, so you don't have to guess with me. And if you guys are like this or not like this, just that's fine. Let me know. Um, if I put something for a thousand dollars and somebody sends me an offer for $500, I don't even respond with like, you know, it's, I won't, I'll take nine. I just, I figure we're so far apart. Why, why even go back and forth? So I'll just kindly just say, no, thank you. But, um, just because I don't want to say nine and then, 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 then they say six, you know what I mean? I'm like, you know, I put, I try to put my best uh, foot forward. So I'll try to put the best price forward or the best offer forward I can. Um, so what else do we got? All right. Hold on. There's a drink and I'll read and I'll drink some coffee. Guns Grunge says, Phil, are you selling any guitars and gear? I'm going to be a, do a, a large dump of gear soon. Um, I've earmarked a, earmarked a bunch of amps and guitars to get rid of. I do this in regularly. You know what I mean? Um, you know, sometimes uh, one of the things that happens now, you know, you know, into this YouTube game that I'm into now at this level deep, um, a lot of people try to relate to me. Um, you know, with this uh, situation, you know, like, ah, you know, what, you have too many guitars or you have, you know, you know, why do you need this or why do you do that? Or, you know, are, are you going to sell this or keep this? Just understand that, I mean, you know, part of the part of the game that I, I'm in now is that I get gear and I get to review it and to and or demo it and show it to you guys. And um, that's a revenue stream for me sometimes. So a lot of times I can buy a piece of gear, literally do the video. And in some cases, at the worst case scenario, break even. In other words, the video made enough to pay for the piece of gear. Um, so then I, to me, it's just like, okay, I sell the gear and then I'm, that's the profit. You know what I mean? Because I've, I've hit, you know, flat. So sometimes it's just that easy. You know what I mean? And then sometimes, to be honest, is um, you're sick of gear. Plus, I've made a kind of a new... Uh, not a new year's resolution, but I have a new resolution in the home, uh, to make the, the, the family a little bit happier. Um, no more gear comes in the house unless some gear goes because it's, it kind of starting to plume up. I, I, I will be, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you guys since I've started the YouTube channel. And if you guys watch the YouTube videos over the, over the years, uh, now watching this channel, you'll see, I sell a lot less gear. Um, cause it just kind of stacks up, uh, where I used to just churn it more and I'm not churning it as much. Um, and that's financially a burden on me and also a physical burden because <laughs> it's physically here. So that, yeah, so I will be selling some stuff. I put it on reverb. There's a, uh, know your gear shop, uh, thing. That's uh, where we sell the stickers. Um, I do give patrons. So you guys know, I give the patrons first red refusal and a discount. Obviously I think that's fair. So I do that. And then a lot of times if they're not inter interested, I put it on there, um, on the reverb site. Uh, okay. What else do we got? You guys got a lot of questions. <laughs> There's 760 of us. Okay. Um, you know what, what I'll do, hold on a second is I jump around real quick. Um, 
Timothy says, have you ever tried the Marshall Code Series modeling amps? If so, what do you think? I have tried the Marshall Code Series amps. I tried one at my buddy Thor's house when I was in Nashville. Um, uh, I, I tend to get up early and stay up late. Um, so it's a little tough when I'm a uh, house guest. In fact, uh, you know, uh, we were talking about the, you know, soon I'm going to LA and Tim, um, it doesn't matter. So anyways, I was invited to stay at a house and I, I warned them. I said, Hey, I, I tend to get up really early in the morning and go to bed really late. So it's kind of like, that's my hardest difficulty, but yeah. So I woke up one morning, like two hours before they did. And I played the code amp, uh, for a while. And, uh, um, so yeah, I liked it. Um, I know some YouTubers don't like them. I think they sound fantastic. I love all that stuff. You're never going to get me to, to crap on any of the line six or the code amps. And, uh, and here's why, you know, just go to some music store and pick up a crate G 20, you know, XL or whatever. And, and an old Randall or a gorilla amp, or we could just go on for days. Uh, you know, even a PV rage, my first real amp that had distortion was a PV rage. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever in the, in fact, probably to this day, there's probably no moment in my life where I plugged into something and heard angels sing, uh, you know, at that age, you know, not having an amp that had distortion and hearing, you know, pushing a distortion button and hearing distortion come out of the amp. Um, but none of those amps, when you listen to them now sound as good as these modeling amps, these modeling amps sound great, but you know, it, it's, it's a problem. It's a, who, how you compare this stuff. You know, so I could easily say, would Phil, would you own a code amp? N no, I don't want to own a modeling amp for the most part because I have a bunch of nice tube amps behind me. I mean, I think it's, you know, hey, look, I got a Supro and I got this uh, su uh, Supersonic uh, 22 and I got a Husen Kittner, you know, Grandmeister. And uh, that's what I have. So do I need a Line 6 or a code Marshall modeling amp? I don't. Now for digital modeling amps i do prefer roland i have roland cubes um i like the katana but I, I'll, I'll say this uh if i didn't use a katana or a cube the the marshall code would probably be my sec second runner up I, I just like it and i'm a real fan of uh, the old fender mustang amps i don't like the newer ones as much um but they're okay they're all good you know like i said all those modeling amps they're they're a miracle is what they are <laughs> Right. I mean, um, you know, I, again, I told you I spent six hours in music store yesterday. I was telling a, 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 a nice person that I met in the store, we were talking and I said, we were, I was looking at a PV Viper, like the $99 one or whatever. And I said, this is, look at this. It's a hundred bucks. It has every sound ever. And you can say that they don't sound that great, but you know, if you're practicing at home, if you can't get music out of that, hmm, you know what I mean? You could get music out of it. So yeah, love that stuff. Um, E.R. Webster says, I have an Apocalypse C7. I love the way it looks, plays, sounds, and feels, but I have an issue with being a neck heavy. Thoughts on uh, how to remedy the issue? Yeah, the biggest thing to do, because it's probably because the body's light. Is it light, you know, in the neck heavy? Strap. You got to get a nice leather strap, something that will grip your shirt and hold. Uh, and that helps a lot. Um, I've seen, so, you know, I, I this is a good kind of like story time with Phil kind of minute for, for repairs. You know what I've seen over the years that I just at the first time, maybe it shocked me, maybe the next 10, but when you see it 50, 60 to hundred times and people put all kinds of weights in their guitars, I've seen people. So, you know, I've opened enough cavities in guitars. We open up and there's like bags of buckshot in there. Let's see what I've seen. What have you seen? I've seen bags of buckshot. I've seen, um, weights, little metal weights put in there. I've seen, um, weird items like strange like uh i don't know like brass 
like not brass knuckles, but like hunks of brass just shoved in guitars. People just put weight in the guitars to to do that. I, I'm not a big fan of that. I would just get a better strap, invest in a nice strap. Um, that's where I would uh, do. So there you go, you are. But uh, now you know if you were to stick buckshot in your guitar, you would not be alone. So um, I've even seen not once but twice i've seen somebody who took a drill uh like a drill press and drilled a couple holes in the guitar and then put steel uh like slugs in the holes <laughs> so when you look at the back there's just like steel slugs um you know uh and that's not the end it, off topic just funny i'll tell you the 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 greatest um uh like jerry rig i've ever seen to the day where I, i'm not making fun of it i still applaud it it amazes me to this day I had a guy come in the store once and his acoustic guitar. And what happened was he didn't know the acoustic guitar had a truss rod. He was new to guitar. Didn't know what a truss rod was, you know, right? This is early 2006 or seven. You know, YouTube wasn't like it is now where you can just watch a video of a guy showing you a truss rod. This guy had an acoustic guitar. There was no tension on the truss rod at all. It wasn't tight at all. So what happened was... He at, he went to a music store and somebody in the music store, not not, not me, <laughs> sold him some 13 gauge strings. So he put 13 gauge strings on an acoustic guitar that had uh, no tension on the truss rod. So you can imagine now you have a bow and arrow, right? The guitar is buckled in. So how did he solve this? He did not. He did. <laughs> he did. He did not go to a music store. He did not look at YouTube because it didn't exist as well. He took bungee cords. I just want to make sure I see myself so I can show you. He took bungee cords, two of them, like they have hooks, and he hooked them on the headstock. And then he ran them back behind the guitar. And then he hooked them over the guitar. And the bungee cords pulled the guitar flat. Now, the action was still a little high because it wasn't enough tension. So he brought it in. And he, he only brought it in to get a string put on it because he broke a string. And he needed a string. And when I saw this guitar, I was so enamored by it. I was just like, because you know why? Because you, your instinct is, you know, you idiot. Why did you put bungee cords on it? But the reality is he's a problem solver, right? He could have, he could have quit guitar. He could be like that. I can't play guitar. So I, he, that guy went into his garage and said, how do I get this to do this? And just cause he wasn't educated about the subject, he found a fix. And sometimes that's the mantra I love, which is use what you got. And if, if it's a little bit of information and a little bit of tools, use what you got. Sometimes you know, and so the reality is, and uh, just to add to the story, I actually set up his guitar and I did it for free because I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. So uh, there's my story about the crazy bungee board. I, I wonder now sometimes, like now that I have a channel, I wonder if some of these people that I've met and had these experience, I wonder if they watch now. If you're ever watching Bungie Cord Guy, I love you. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So what else do we got going on? <laughs> Uh, David Hunter said, David Hunter says, Hey, Phil, do you have any idea how hybrid amps are qualifying their wattage? Ah, two different 20 watt amps can be wildly different. Are they uh, sandbagging? You know, that's a great question, Hunter. But so, you know, this is like the, uh, the, the, the qualifier gets a little bit more confusing because even just on a straight fair game of tube amps, you know what I mean? So two, two 20 watt tube amps could not be, you know, could, one could be two, two, 20 watts and one could be 22 watts and one could be 18 watts. And there's all kinds of stuff. And wattage in itself is also a tricky game, you know, right? Because does that always equate to volume or decibels? Or, um, so it gets a, a, a little wacky. Um, the, the, the only thing that, that, that is important is there's a definitely a mentality switch. And this will be interesting to see how this unfolds over the next decade. 
I can honestly say before the mini amp boom, which we all know, you know, has been going now for a decade. You know, it's been a decade since, you know, we all started buying smaller, uh, not only combo amps, but like these mini heads and stuff. Until that, you got to understand their industry was driven by this one qualifier, which was a watt, a dollar, you know, kind of logic or the more watts, the more dollars. So if you had an 88 watt amp and you, you tested it, you bench tested it and put out 88 watts, telling people it's 100 watts meant you can command more money. You know what I mean? So they would just say, oh, it's a hundred Watts, <laughs> right? And they'd come up with some, sometimes just some math that made it work. And sometimes it's a blatant BS. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a tons of companies uh, that's actually notoriously known back in the day of using input voltage as output voltage. So in other words, they would take in, let's say, uh, uh, you know, a certain amount of uh, watts uh, off the wall or whatever. You know, I know I said voltage, but you understand what I mean. Uh, so it was it was the amp was taking in like 120 watts, but it's only putting out like, you know, 60 watts. But they would they would do some trickery there. So there's all kinds of stuff that's out there that's a little confusing. Now, the reason why I say it's important change in the last decade is because of small two amps and that's why if you notice i did a video i'll put a timestamp right now with doug sewell from prs where i uh nicely suggested to him that i was i'm a conspiracy guy on this i really thought that the tremonti amp was not 15 watts um that it seemed like a louder amp and i kind of feel feel like they made it 15 watts because they they know that the bedroom player is looking for 15 watts that's the magic right 5 10 15 watts once they get to 25 35 watts small gigging musicians are looking for 20 to 25 to 30 watts um and uh rock stars or rock stars you know uh in the you know maybe the rock stars in the bedroom they need 100 watts i don't know anyways uh so um i think they were and he said in the video it's actually like 18 watts <laughs> and so they did exactly what I said in reverse that the Tremonti MT 15 is 18 Watts, but it's stated as only being 15. So you see where the qualifier is a little tricky because I don't know what the legality of that is. You know what I mean? Telling somebody that it's a 15 watt amp when it's 18. Well, if, if they can do that, then why can't we imagine that a company could do the opposite, make a 15 watt amp and call it 18 or make an 18 and call it 20. So here's, here's the thing I, I love. Um, hold on, let me take a drink. So you got to use your ear and, but more importantly, sadly enough, that's why everybody who's ever experienced this knows exactly what I'm going to say right now. You never know until you take it to band practice. If your issue is wattage, power, loudness, it, it always has to be put into practice. You'll never be able to, to verify how loud an amp is or how it cuts through a mix until you put it in that situation. Um, and that's the sad part. That's why it's in, that's, what's great about being able to buy amplifiers now, take them to band practice and then return them to the stores. So it's happened. It's happened many times to many musicians. There's probably thousands of musicians, literally no joke that watch this, uh, show that have had that exact experience, uh, in the store, it was shaking the windows. It was rattling the walls. They took it to band practice. They were just getting killed. So you got to put it into practice, buddy. Um, and, or if you can't put it in practice, you know what you can do, ask around, you know what I mean? Somebody can tell you. So there's some, some amps out there that I think are dogs and there's some amps out there that I'm like, wow, they will, they will kill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so there you go. All right, let's get some, uh, hold on guys. I want to get some non super chats real quick. Uh, uh, what else do we got? Oh, Dennis says, does Davapix make a stiff pick 
uh, I sometimes use the blue uh, to and to light even uh, I choke up on it. Yeah, um, I don't think they do. They make some weirder ones that have like metal on them. I, I haven't I haven't really experienced anything outside of the Davapix I already use. Um, what I do, so you know, um, the, I don't. I, this is the other pick I use. In fact, I just bought some yesterday at uh, at the music store. Uh, these are 0.88s. Um, however, I run the gamut of these. If you don't know what these are, these are. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what they're called. Pure tones. Pure. They're by Dunlop. These are these crazy expensive picks. Um, in fact, I bought some yesterday that are black that are less expensive. When I mean expensive, I I I think I didn't look at the receipt. Um, cause I kind of, I bought enough packs. I know they're not going to, you know, it's going to make me sick. I think it's like four of them for six bucks. Does that sound right to everybody? Something like that. It could be more. I don't know. Feel that's what it feels like. Right. Um, you know, when you can buy a bag of picks for five bucks and get, you know, a dozen, you get uh, less than a half a dozen for more. Um, but I love these. Uh, and that's what I use when I want a firmer pick. Um, so that's how it is with the Davos. I use the Davos a lot. And then, but you know, something that happened on, a uh, um, on a patron uh, hangout and Nathan was there, uh, you know, my buddy, Nathan. And uh, he mentioned something that I never mentioned in any video. And it was funny when he said it, um, probably the shock in my face was probably the big tell. He made a comment. He said, well, I said something about how I pick or I using the Dava picks like right here. And I was saying, okay, I, you know, they use it like this. And, and Nathan goes, he, he qualified to the, to the to the patrons he said well so you know though phil plays really light and i've never said that in a video i've never even mentioned that but so you guys know i play extremely light and i know it's tricky because sometimes it doesn't look that way if you guys ever see me do slap bass you'll understand too i slap bass extremely light i do this illustration maybe i'll do a video where i can slap bass everything you see me do like with my thumb i can do it with my pinky on the bass just to illustrate i used to do that for students show them how i can slap bass with my pinky just to illustrate how light i'm touching the strings so i have a very light touch um it's ingrained in me not to not to pick in deep it's like a, an economy of motion thing i don't like to go under the string either so if this is the string i like to glide on the tops of the strings i don't like to hit underneath the only time i hit any more aggressive than that is is sometimes you know like even for punk rock i'm strumming really light it's kind of a weird thing so uh i don't know why that is i don't know why i picked that up i think it's because uh, it, it's something that happened to me uh, running the lesson Academy all those years, all those teachers that would teach there, there was one common denominator. The ones that played the best had the lightest picking touch. So it became a, a thing with me to obsess about just getting my pick uh, light touch. And I, there's no rhyme or reason to that. <laughs> uh, some of you guys will probably qualify it and say, yeah, lighter players play better and stuff like that. But here's the deal. I I've now noticed like, uh, you know, if you guys don't know the story about Paul Gilbert, you know, he used to only pick upward because his friend told him he only, this is a true story. He says his friend only, you know, his friend told him you only pick upwards. So Paul Gilbert, like for the first two years, like whatever year or two of playing guitar, he only picked up. <laughs> so that's why he's so fast. Cause once he figured out, Oh, you can go down too. He's faster. John Petrucci alternate picks every single note where someone like Eric Johnson probably, you know, he, he, he like blissfully like kind of glides over the you know the strings you know so they're uh uh 
<laughs> Mel says, Phil, Phil plays some great bass, but he won't just to piss me off. Yeah, you know, it's great, though, uh, uh, Mel. Part of the problem with the bass videos is there was no gear to review and no bass companies are reaching out to me, obviously. And uh, and I go, oh, I can buy bass gear. But really what, you know, bass players aren't like guitar players. I, I, I don't you know, I've I've never even met a bass player that has like eight different bass amps. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you just um, but I finally got some bass gear to review. <laughs> so how about that in fact i bought a base yesterday i'm gonna review it uh i'm very excited about it uh in fact i will put it a little ahead of where i plan to put it just because i'm really excited about this base especially this base because it was 179 base and i really really loved it okay um john Scholler says Scholter says do you do setups for customers john like i said michael is helping me with emails now he is doing an amazing job and he brought to my attention because we're doing folders i was doing folders before we're really doing folders with what you guys are emailing one of the questions i get the most is about doing setups uh like you guys heard me earlier mention earlier i am doing setups i was doing setups all week um i even did a, a cracked uh, headstock repair two of them this week um for pure s's <laughs> maybe i'll talk about that um it, but anyways uh the yes the answer is yes but what we decided to do is i'll make an announcement soon we will now have a new way to do more setups my fear is i've been baby stepping this the youtube thing plus the other stuff i do now and of course i love doing repairs i'd almost uh, i really like doing youtube it's tough you know, it's like, I, this is how much I love doing YouTube and this is how much I love doing repairs. Like, I don't know if they're different, but they, you know, they're close. What I do know is this, both of them are kind of full-time jobs at some, sometimes. So I'm trying to, to blend this better. What's happening is I've had a lot of people now, um, help, you know, there's a lot of stuff, you know, uh, not to go on this tirade cause I don't want to suck up too much of this good time with you guys. But you know, sometimes, uh, you know, in Mike now having somebody now have somebody help me, uh, is not only been beneficial to me, but more importantly with Mike, what's great is, is he's been able to articulate to me, like some of the things like, wow, the amount of time you spent doing that, that's crazy. And I go, yeah, I see my problem. It's hard to translate that to the audience. It's hard for me to explain to you guys that I could spend, you know, four hours on the phone with a company just to try to get a five things video done. You know, when I did the uh, guitar miss video, you know, it, it was, it was, it took six months to get that video done. But it didn't take obviously, you know, 40 hours a week, six months. It took a total of probably 20 hours of work, but it's 20 hours, you know, spread over. And that's just to make one video that was like eight minutes long. So sometimes the time just gets sucked up. And then of course, you know, you know, there's stuff. <laughs> so, so the answer question is, man, I am, I am, I'm focused on it and we have an announcement we want to make. I just, it's too soon to make it, but the answer is yes. Do I do still setups? Yes. Will, uh, I have a broader outreach of how to get those setups done for customers. Absolutely. Um, but right now it was before it was, it didn't make sense to try to reach out to more, uh, people because here's the biggest problem I have when people ask me to do setups. I'm already, I already have guitars here and i'm working on them and i owe them to people so sometimes when somebody comes to me and goes hey can you do a couple of guitars i was like i have 10 guitars i'm still doing now and i feel weird taking on more work that i you know what i mean and when i haven't got this work and and i don't know when my day can go rogue on me um it's not like the old days where i used to get up in the morning go to the store and work on guitars all day now i get up and i work on a video that i think is going to take two hours and then i'll go work on guitars but instead that video took nine hours there you go so that's the good news. There's good news in that. 
All right. Um, thank you for letting me vent. That was very therapeutic, by the way. <laughs> okay. Uh, here we go. We got some more stuff. The hold on, I'm reading. I'm reading. Ishan's got a question. It says, Should I sell my affordable gear or ship it after moving to another state? Okay. Uh, so uh, that's a that's a good question. And uh, Ish Ishan, I hope I'm saying your name right, man. Ishan. Uh, the answer I would give you is the same answer I give you about furniture. I had a friend, um, or I always hate when I say that I have a friend, I don't had a friend, I have a friend. They moved to Oregon. They got a quote to move from Arizona, to Oregon. The price was so high because I, I don't know if you guys know anything about moving, but you know, like, here's a good example. Some places you can move from California to Texas cheaper than you can move from Texas to California. No backwards. You can move to Texas to California for less than half of what it takes to go to California, Texas, because it's about where they need trucks and there's all kinds of stuff in this, you know? So uh, uh, anyways, to po point out the question was, uh, she moved from Arizona to Oregon and it was so expensive. She figured out that she could just buy all the stuff. Uh, she could buy all new furniture, she could buy all that stuff for the, for what her stuff was worth. So she sold it all and then she bought all new stuff there. Um, so my question to you, or my answer to you is the same exact answer. You know, if you can sell the stuff, uh, and, and then buy it again for less than you can ship it. I would definitely think of that as a solution. Cause Hey, that's, that's new, some new stuff. And also, uh, you know, if you love it, if you love it, it doesn't matter what it's worth. Affordable gear. I understand what affordable gear is. Um, but, uh, like a perfect example behind me, the, the smattering of product behind me is all over the place. You know, I love this little Jackson. That's $149 new guitar. Um, so affordable, although I would say that's affordable piece of gear to me, it's just in the collection is something I like. So I don't really think of it as like this costs less than let's say that guitar. But, um, so that's the advice I have to you. Follow your wallet or your heart and hopefully they meet up. <laughs> this is the new love lines gear channel. <laughs> follow your, I like that. We want to make a t-shirt, follow your wallet or your heart. And hope Ah, uh, that would be good with a picture of a guitar. <laughs> All right. I'm done entertaining myself. I better entertain you guys. All right. David Hunter says, Hey, Phil, do you have any idea how hybrid amps? Oh, we already did that one. Sorry. Let's go to Mitch. Mitch Cole says, uh, you're a great man, Phil. You know, if you could just say that to my wife, I'm just kidding. Uh, says thanks uh, for fostering and encouraging guitar community on YouTube. Uh, your work matters. You know that is awesome to hear, uh, especially not so much you know the accolades about my work, but the fostering and encouraging a guitar community. Uh, I'll be honest with you, man. I love it every day. The 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 thing that you know makes the heart beat is not when somebody says I love that video or man, you know, you knew something there or any of that stuff or you taught me something. Those are all great things, of course. Who doesn't want to be any kind of accolades, you know? Uh, but it's when I'm on a video and I'm looking at a comment and I watch one of you guys answer that comment or you guys interact with each other and somebody says, Hey, Phil, could you tell me which guitar I would buy to buy if I do this? And I see five of you going, here's what I did. And I had that same experience. And and the reason is, is this isn't some kind of BS, you know, kind of like, Hey, can't we all get along thing? You know what? I don't care if we all get along. It's, you don't have to agree with people. You just, you understand that you, you know, helping people does help you. 
You know what I mean? There's skills that are made when you reach out to people. There's skills are made when you ask for information. And I thank you for the community comment because I do think it's important. And I'm also very aware because of a, of some life experience that a guitar community is like any community. It's a positive and you can make it great and it can sour and, and, and fester and die very easily too. And I'm very aware of that. And that's why I'm very in tune with it. Thank you for the feedback and like you guys. I, and like I said, thank you when you guys notice things that you don't like. Um, something to tie into that, you know, uh, when something happens and you guys don't like it and you send me messages, please understand. Uh, I read all those messages and all sometimes I don't respond to them. But if you notice, I, a lot of you do notice, I make adjustments as we go. Because again, I am very in tune with the fact that I want the community to stay healthy and thrive. Mary D says, hi. Hi, Mary. <laughs> says, I want an Ernie Ball Majesty but I can't justify the dough that's on getting that's on getting the sterling and an aftermarket, uh, uh Piazzo bridge or pizza bridge. Uh, it says, um, okay. So I understand what you're saying, Mary, cause they're expensive. I was looking at them yesterday. I think the sterling ones are like 900 bucks, right? That's a, that's, that's legit money. <laughs> you know what I mean? In a world where a guitar is amazing at 300 bucks, $900 is three of those amazing guitars. So I understand what you're saying. Um, and you know, obviously the answers I give to you are obviously, uh, used, you know, don't be afraid to look at those used ones and save some money that way. And also, um, don't be afraid to ask for deals, you know, look for those deals. Um, you know, and, and I understand that doesn't help a lot because even a good deal on a new one, you know, if you were to able to somehow get a magical 20% off, which would be hard to do, but you could do it. Um, you know, you're still looking at $720 on that guitar. So, um, I understand what you're saying. It's tough. Uh, and I, and I understand the question I have for you is, you know, not that it's a big chunk of dough. It's why do you feel it's a lot of money? That's the thing about this. You know, um, one of the things I love to remind everybody is nobody needs any guitars. This is all hobby. You know what I mean? Um, if you have issues with people who have five guitars or 20 or a hundred guitars or 300 guitars, the reality is that everybody doesn't need any of this stuff. We're all doing talking today, hanging out because, um, uh, for the most part, a lot of us have, uh, stuff they have to do because we're adults. Some of us are adults. Some of you guys are kids. Great. <laughs> but you have homework. Get to your homework. Anyways, uh, the point is, this is what we do to to for our life to make it better. So my question to you is, what is it that makes it feel like a lot of money to you? Is it that it's um, that it that it because it's physical? Physical to me is like uh, nine hundred dollars is literally a huge chunk of your monthly income, and that's a lot of money to to to, to dish out. Is it because you have other uh, financial responsibilities and you feel guilty? taking some money away from those responsibilities. I understand that I'm a father. You know, every time you buy a guitar, sometimes you have to trust me. If my kids weren't taken care of, you wouldn't see any of this crap. Um, you know what I mean? I, I definitely, you know, got to take care of my children. I don't mean just feed them. Like I, you know, I don't want them to want for anything. And if it means I'm one less guitar down the road, that's fine. As long as they have their you know needs are met. So, um, those are the things you have to ask yourself. Those are the things I ask myself when I feel like a guitar is, 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 is uh, a high amount. So the only, I'll tell you what I do. What I try to do is obviously look for the deal that helps, but more importantly, what I also try to do is set a timeline for my, for myself. Um, so like, let's say a month. So today is uh, September 14th. So here's what I argue, Mary on, let's look at the calendar. Let's see how good you guys are. We're going to go on the calendar. We've never done this before. 
Well, we'll timestamp it though, so we'll remember. On, we're gonna go a little early because it's the 12th. It makes sense. On October 12th, that will be a month. On October 12th, we will earmark this and we'll bring this back up. And we're gonna ask you, Mary, do you still want a majesty in 30 days from now? Has it, le you know, kind of left the system or is it still? And then maybe, maybe then that helps justify the money a little bit more. Something to think about. Um, it has definitely helped me. Sometimes your best friend is your lack of cash. <laughs> so I have almost bought some of the dumbest ideas ever in my life. And the holdback was I didn't have the money. And then looking back going, man, I'm glad I didn't have the money. That was a bad purchase. And then sometimes I've had the money and I made the purchase and I wish I didn't have the, the, the income to buy that pedal or that thing that was an impulse buy. So, uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta weigh everything out. All right. Uh, let's go to a non super chat question. Let's see what we got. Um, Oh, okay. Uh, Bobby says, hi, Phil. Should I sell my Blackstar HT1 watt head and get the Boss Katana 50 for home? Um, so th that's an easy answer for me. I'm a fan of both those amps. Uh, again, this is like a question earlier today where we asked where I like both things. I love the Blackstar HT1. It's one of my favorite little one watt tube heads and the Boss Katana 50. I think the Boss Katana 50 is overall a better uh, product a better amp it's got more things in it and i i can only argue the black star hg1 maybe has you know it, i i'm a fan of the black star hg1 in the clean channel with the gain pushed and i like that sound but i would dare say the ht1 is not say a one trick pony but let's say it's a two trick pony i think the katana is a better at home practice amp i think you would enjoy it more um uh, you could get more out of it. You know what I mean? So, uh, and then Ken says, our headstock repair is stronger than before. Yes. Um, the answer is yes. Uh, but with a caveat, sometimes the headstock repair headstock, here's the deal. Sometimes it's not about just, you know, if you glue, you know, the whole adage glue is stronger than wood. I'm not, I'm not spreading that. What I'm saying is, is sometimes the way you glue a, a piece of wood, you're going to make, uh, the bond is going to be stronger. It's going to be better reinforced. However, in my experience with headstock repairs, sometimes the headstocks crack in the weirdest, craziest ways. And it's just like, so here's, here's the thing. It's just like surgery. I mean, I've, I've put pins and things, you know, where you had to like, you know, just to mount, there wasn't enough surface to glue to. So you have to kind of dowel them and do all this stuff. And, and then, and then I tell my, I, you know, uh, and I, I felt the, the, the neck, you know, and you're like, okay, it's, it's fine, you know, but it's not going to be as strong as it ever was. So, but in most cases, yes, it's stronger and, uh, it'll be better for it. Uh, so, and, but uh, one thing I love, there's one person out there, maybe a bunch of you, but the one that caught my eye, somebody said, if heads, if repaired headstocks are better than regular headstocks, why doesn't everybody just break their headstocks and re-glue it? And I thought, oh. That's great. That's a great question that just stings a little bit because it, it, it sounds, it makes almost everything I feel like I'm saying when I say re repaired headstocks are stronger, nonsensical. Because I'm like, yeah, if it's so great, why, why don't we just break them in the factory and re-glue them? Um, but the reality is, is uh, it's also, you got to understand there's something to, to, to say that there's a little bit when you're a repair person, um, one of the things that you want to do to your customer 
it, just like a, a physician would do, is take care of them. And one of the ways you can take care of them is reassure them. And so a lot of times you'll hear luthiers say, hey, yeah, the repaired headstock is stronger than new. Um, maybe it's not stronger than new. Maybe it's as strong as new. However, we want you to feel confident because the reality is, is you don't have to, you know, cause that's what we're afraid of. We don't want somebody, I don't want to uh, fix a headstock, give it to you. And then, you know, six months down the line, I, you know, you're, I try your guitar and you're like, Oh, what are you down to to? And they go, well, I don't ever tune it up because I don't want it to, you know, break. And that's not, it's not frail. So it can take a lot of abuse. Um, okay. Stanley. Hey, like Stanley. Do you like Spider-Man? Stan Lee says, I repaired my broken Gibson Les Paul headstock myself, and it seems good still. Complete break, too. Yeah, I think it's a, um, you know, what's funny is, is we did the Sharpen Max number 11. That was a, a, a Tim did that because I we wanted to do the refin. And Tim was a, a funny about this at Atomic because uh, with obviously, uh, you know, with all, he said, hey, you know, he's a little concerned, not not much, but he's like, hey, I don't know if I want to show people, you know, what I do for a living. And I told him, I said, well, I've been doing that for a couple of years now. And I told him, I said, and what I've learned is the best thing you can do is share your knowledge with people because one of two things will happen. Uh, they'll take your knowledge and they'll be better for it. And then they'll, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll have a bond with you. They'll, they'll respect the fact that you were the one that showed them that. Or they'll look at it and go, yeah, that's a lot of work. I think I'll just let you do that. So, <laughs> which is, which is fine. Um, so, uh, yes, I love that. Yeah. I think a lot of people can fix their headstocks. The one, the one I did two days ago was a very, I don't want to say easy, but you know, it was a glue clamp job and a little bit of sanding and it was a pretty easy thing to fix, uh, as a whole. And, um, and I had to do what's called, uh, and what I call adjust pricing for it. You know, the guilt sits in a little bit. You're like, I cannot charge the regular rate. This is a little faster than normal. So sometimes you do that. You know, you know what I mean? Sometimes you're just like, Hey, um, but, I, but I know a lot of people are most, I think people are concerned about doing some repairs because they're afraid of damn making things worse. So, and, uh, you know, and sometimes you might be right, but most time you're not. Most time I tell people, try to repair yourself. Just make sure you do documentation with photos and stuff. So if you take it to, if you get in a hole, you can't get out of, take it to a repair center, have them do the work. In most cases, they shouldn't charge you more. And if, first of all, I'll tell you a, a pet peeve of mine. I have some pet peeves. Obviously, if you work, if you do anything for a living, I'm sure there's things that happen in your world that pet peeve. Uh, pet peeve for me is anybody, any technician that says, you know, I charge more if you try to do it first or charge more, you know, if you... Uh, I understand the logic. I don't like it when somebody's made a situation that could have been easier for me worse, but you know what? You, the, I want you to try. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, and if I have to charge a couple extra bucks, cause there's a couple more minutes of my time because the try you did is, you know, may, created some havoc. Maybe I'll have to do that, but I don't think anyone should be shamed for that. Um, you know, you, you guys should be trying to repair instruments uh, at the and work your way up. You know what I mean? I, I don't go ripping frets out of your guitars first day, <laughs> but everybody should learn to work on their guitars a little bit. So, especially in a world where we're going to get, you got to understand guitars are going to get like everything else. It's going to be cheaper to buy one, to fix one. And then what's going to happen is everybody's going to throw guitars away. And I think that is just the most horrible idea in my head ever. It's the thing that gets me my head spinning. Um, I don't want 
a guitar to be a thing that is disposable throw it away it, it doesn't have to be that way so to me if you can make a guitar i'm sorry <laughs> david david curtis says i have a guitar i made a broomstick <laughs> and a rubber band <laughs> good for you that was awesome all right uh so anyways like i said back to my on task uh yeah i don't think we should be throwing guitars away i think if it's not it's not i understand that if you buy a guitar for 200 bucks and it, it costs 250 to refix it but there the other answer is you can learn to do it yourself so there you go all right let's do one more not one more we got a couple more of these we got a couple pen ones i gotta get to um okay neon lights 12 says i have a 17 uh, i'm assuming that's a 2017 made in mexico strat maple neck fretboard uh what humbucker would you recommend for rock to complement the woods um and uh this is uh, obviously the question of the uh you know the uh you know some people say no 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 woods apply to this situation what i will tell you is this i like the for for that for what you're asking me before the pickups that i personally use that i like are the jb by seymour duncan and i like the pearly gates i've had good luck with both those pickups they're great uh in the affordable realm because they're you know under 100 bucks new and you can find them used um from dimaggio uh i like the tone zone a lot of people don't like it but i like the tone zone i'm not a i for the strat if you want a super strat 80s rock sound oh man the super distortion is fantastic but uh um jb and the pearly gates are my kind of go-to picks for that um oh you know another pickup that is just fantastic is the uh the evh uh wolfgang pickup oh that's another great pickup it's fantastic uh, Justin says, I bought a Sir and changed my strings, and now I have fret buzz. I went back to NYXLs, but the low E is still buzzing around the 12th uh, fret. Uh, same gauge. Help. Okay, so we've identified the biggest issue, which is it's the same gauge. This is not uncommon, by the way. You take the strings off an instrument, and what's happened is maybe the neck did not go to the same position it was when the strings, the last strings were on it. Especially... Um, like NYXLs, you gotta understand NYXLs, I believe, are steel strings, right? That's the big thing about NYXLs. So steel strings are uh, gonna be a little stronger uh, than the nickel, uh, pure nickel strings or the nickel wrapped steel strings. Um, so there's gonna be some issues there. My guess is, here's my guess, Justin. Uh, my guess is that when you change your strings, the new strings went on, the neck has pitched back. Uh, so you're probably noticing the most buzz above the fifth fret right uh no you said still buzzing around the 12th fret oh you know what uh so if the low e is still buzzing around the 12th fret i don't think it's the neck pitch back i actually think it's the bridge so maybe if the bridge was floating the bridge change position you know something like that um so here's the easy part for you uh messing with the guitar if the buzz is happening around the fifth fret and above so first to fifth fret I would say make an adjustment to the neck. Your your issue is in the around the 12th fret to the 22nd fret or whatever you have. I'm going to say it's a bridge issue. Uh, again, I don't know which model, sir, you have. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's a floating bridge or a hardtail. I'm assuming it's some kind of tremolo, uh, especially if the tremolo was flat and now it's kicked back. back that could be an issue too. So you're going to need to do that setup that way. There's videos on that. If not, we can probably help you on that. But that's my suggestion uh, to do that. And uh, if that doesn't work, you can take it in for a setup somewhere. But now what's great is you can say, okay, this is the information you have. See if they can get it qualified and verify that that's the actual issue and make a quick adjustment. 
So sometimes the thing about too is if it's easy like that, it doesn't need a full setup and it just needs an adjustment. One thing I can suggest to you too with repair techs is ask about a quick adjustments. You know, like, hey, do you, you know, if it's just a quick adjustment, can you just knock it out for me at a reduced rate? So there's nothing wrong to ask that. Just, um, I, you know, you got to understand everybody's got a different time value. So sometimes some techs are busy and they don't really need to kind of do that. But, it, you know, it's nice sometimes they make an adjustment quickly. Uh, HK says, I got a Roland Cube 40 XL. I have two of them. Love them off eBay. And I'm amazed on how good it is. Man, it's one of my favorite amps. I have... I have the newer Roland Cube 40 and I have the one that has the power squeeze and that's my favorite one of the two. Uh, it says, I am a tube amp guy really, but I found this amp better than modeling amps. What makes the cube so good? Yeah, you know what makes it so good is it's, uh, it's well, one, it's like old solid state technology. And um, uh, you know what makes it good is Roland. Roland makes good amps. You know, Roland was, so you know, Roland was the king of the home practice amp. You know what I mean? They built those cubes. I mean, they were the number one selling amps. They, you know, um, if you look at the cube amps, they're not cut from the same cloth, so to speak, as the other little practicing amps. Rolling cubes are dovetail jointed, sealed. Uh, you know, built built at high standards. Roland was not messing around. They were. They didn't go into the market with the meat. Oh, I shouldn't say me too now, right? Uh, with the uh, we can too uh, attitude um, they, where they're like, hey, you know, Mustang makes, you know, Fender makes this amp and so does Line 6. We can do one like that too. They they were they were trying to do something a cut above. They were like, hey, this is for the, um, you know, for the, the musician with a higher, you know, I don't want to say standard, but yeah, higher standard. So that's what the Rolling Cubes were. And that's where the, why the Katana is where it is. So, you know, the Rolling Cube uh, was do, always did well. It was always the, uh, the great amp. Um, but, you know, the reality was you, the Rolling Cubes were expensive. You, you know, Cube 40, I think was what, three, $400, $300. And you know, all of a sudden you can buy for $200, you buy a 75 watt amp from Line 6, um, uh, Fender, and PV. And that really started hurting uh, Rolling Cube. And that's a perfect example of the Cube 40. You know, it's a $300 amp, but now you can buy a 50 watt Katana for $200. I still prefer my Rolling Cubes over my Katanas, over the Katana, not Katanas, the Katana, but I still like the Katanas a lot. Uh, I think it's good. And in some ways it's a little better because newer kind of always refines a little bit, but man, I love the rolling cubes. I'm always going to be a fan of those. Um, oh, uh, uh, Ishan says I got his name, right? <laughs> Maybe I messed it up this time though. Uh, thank you for the answer. I've attached, uh, I am attached to my guitar. Yes. Yeah. Then keep it, man. You know what? Because now think of this, even if you save a couple bucks, you're just going to drive yourself crazy. You know, one of the things you can do to make yourself really nuts is fall in love with an instrument, get rid of it, and then try to find another instrument that does what the other one does. Because sometimes you're chasing a ghost. The, you know, the, the worst thing is not only was the instrument great, but then your perception, your your memory of it is always better than even it was. And so therefore nothing can add up to it. So that's a big thing. Shut Up Let's Talk says, Charvel Pro DK24, DK or just get a, shre a shreddy strat. I love your videos. Thanks, man. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Shut Up Let's Talk. Um... I love the Charvel Pro DK24, Shreddy Strat. Well, I don't know what Shreddy Strat you would pick. You know, um, I mean, obviously my Copper Strat is uh, my custom shop Fender Strat, which is, where is it? Oh, it's in the other room. Um, it's a copy of a Charvel. I like the Charvel stuff, the, especially the Pro Series stuff uh, made in Mexico. I think it's really good. In fact, back on the radar again for me is another Charvel. You know what I mean? Uh, I kind of miss mine, but I don't know. I'm going to say Charvel. 
can't go wrong with it. You know what I think about those Charvels, especially those uh, main Mexico ones? They are, they seem way better than they are, than they are, the, than the price point alludes. And you know, not the price point's cheap, but man, they seem really good for the price. Um, Sarang says, "What is the thinnest fender neck you ever played?" Oh yeah, this is the easiest question I've ever gotten, ever in the history of ever. This red strat right here, um, that solid rosewood neck guitar, that is the thinnest, smallest neck on any fender guitar I've ever played. Uh, it doesn't even feel like a fender neck to me. It feels like some kind of weird, uh, like shreddy, uh, Japanese type guitar. That's the thinnest neck, uh, and, and smallest, thinnest neck I've ever played from fender that solid rosewood, uh, neck. So there you go. Uh, and then CF just throwing a super chat. Just want to say hi. Thank you, CF. Okay. Let's do, uh, one or two more questions. So before we wrap it up before we have a great weekend, go play guitar after we talk about guitar. Um, uh guns and grunge says phil i'm looking for an acoustic amp what do you recommend now uh, that also depends on your price point but i will tell you that i'm always really okay so i'll tell you the ones i love and then i'll tell you the one i like the price of i uh have behind me you see behind me i have a very expensive hughes and kittner one that they sent me uh to check out uh i i loved the one i tried at GitCon. uh so they sent me the nicer one to check out uh because i was actually playing bass if you're uh if you watch my Instagram or follow me on Instagram or Facebook, I think it was on Facebook. There's a video of me playing bass at GitCon on the amp. And uh, so they sent it to me. I really love it. This amp is not cheap by any means. This is on the high tier of the acoustic amp world. So for the high tier, here's what I love. I love the California Blonde uh, that they don't make anymore by, by SWR. I love that amp. Uh, the Shenandoah by Gens Benz is uh jen's gens whatever you want to call it that's great they don't make that anymore but if you can find them used they got good pricing and they're great i like um obviously the fishman uh loud box i think that's a cool amp um you know i'm a huge fan of roland as you guys know as you heard earlier and i've never fell in love with any of the roland uh, acoustic amps although i've i like them i've sold lots of them i really think they're quality i just me personally the AC60, the AC33, and just never really bonded with them. Um, other than, yeah, they do their job, but there's nothing that's connected with me. Um, the uh, But, you know, an amp that blows me away for the price is the Fender ones, the new ones that are wood. They're really good. You know what I mean? They're just really good for the price. Um, so, so that's one I would think about. And if you guys got suggestions too, I'd love to hear it because, you know, uh, acoustic amps for me, it's not about tone. So it's not about uh, when I mean tone by not about like, I would never say like, Oh, there's, you know, I have this fish. I have this acoustic amp for this tone. I have this acoustic amp for this tone to me. It's like you get one good acoustic amp and then you're happy. That's how I am. Uh, so, so those are the ones I've tried and how I found, how found them to be good. Yeah. Eric, uh, Nanya says, uh, I love my Cali blonde. Yeah. SWR is one of those brands. Like if I was going to put a, heartfelt you know reach out to somebody and say hey man i'm, I'm really sad a brand's gone swr is one of those brands and um even though it's a base company man the, the california blonde was just a great amp by by far you know why it was an acoustic amp but it was also i don't know it's just a great amp all right uh what else do we got you guys any Ah, Aaron Cram says, did you ever find a Martin? Man, great, Aaron. Thanks for thanks for asking me that. Uh, uh, again, uh, the search, I think, is over. 
and I ended up not getting a Martin. And it's really weird. Um, I started this journey, uh, as some of you guys have and gals have ever maybe tried before, uh, finding something you love and then trying to find it and then finding something else. And I think I've moved to a tailor. And I'm really shocked because um, I always thought I was going to get this Martin. Now, so, you know, I'm not giving up on the Martin. I really want to still get a Martin. But I think I'm about to pull the trigger very, very soon, very, very soon, like before next show on a tailor um, because I, uh, I, I I even know what model I want. And I just don't know if I should tell you guys yet because uh, maybe I should do a review of it. You guys think I should do a review, a review of it? Um, so I don't know. If you guys... Uh, Anthony says Borns versus CTS pots. Uh, so Borns potentiometers, I think, are fantastic. But some people, uh, so Borns was a, a is a, a brand that's gotten me into trouble in the hey uh, because I like them. But if you guys are familiar with what we're talking about, Borns is a type of potentiometer, but it's very it's like non friction. It's like you it's like feels like it's broken. There's no resistance. I love that. But some players, when I put it in their guitars over the years, I have learned that they are just, they hate it with a passion. They like some resistance. So I'm a Borns guy, but I i would, I would feel like just from experience, the majority of players really like CTS pots. They, most people like to feel a little a little resistance, especially if their hand goes around and hits things. If you Because the Borns pots, you barely have to breathe on them and they've turned a little bit on you. Um, and I kind of keep my my hand picking, you know, in, in, when the, in the string range. I'm not sweeping out too much. So I've had a problem with it. Uh, and, and just because Joseph does deserves the credit. Yeah, he's a Taylor T14. Yeah, 214. <laughs> okay, so um the uh what else do we got? Yeah, Eric Nunya says Fender screwed up SWR, which I have and Tacoma, which I have. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. They did. They uh they killed the SWR brand and uh and Tacoma. And two brands that I really think uh didn't deserve it. Um you know, sometimes brands, you know, get a little long in the tooth and, you know, just the, the world changes and they, they get shelved and it happens. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It just happens. But SWR was a brand. I'm like, really? In the new world of micro bass amps and and in an acoustic world of acoustic amps, you know, I thought SWR still has a place in it, especially being, uh, you know, high end stuff. So. All right. Well, that was good. Uh, anything else? Before we go, any last shout outs or anything? Uh, I thought it was a great show. I think uh, it was huge. There was like 880 of us hanging out this Friday. I hope everybody's going to have a great weekend. Um, I'm just going to do a quick mention real fast before I go. Obviously, the shirt of the month. Oh, a new change, a uh, new thing. Um, they, uh, the the change in the shirts. So this month's shirt's out, the September shirt. I'll make sure there's a link in the description if you're anyone you're used, uh, interested in it. It's the... Um, the St. Vincent style shirt. And of course the regular shirts are still available, but, uh, through popular requests through emails, we also, me and Mike came up with an idea or we came, all came up with the idea. And so, uh, run it by you guys and tell me what you think since we have not officially done it yet. So one of the things we were doing was shirt of the month where every month we do a different guitar on the shirt. And a lot of you guys are responding nicely with that. And, uh, we, but a lot of people feel like, hey, but I missed out on the shirt and they would still like to get the shirt. So what we decided was we're going to make all the shirts available, but 
Here's what's going to change. The part of the downfall for us, there's a downfall for us, is that if you don't buy a lot of shirts, I mean, as a community, you don't buy a lot of shirts. Um, I don't make very much on the shirts. The it's a, it's a sliding scale. So if I sell one shirt, the company that makes the shirt and ships the shirt, they're going to keep the lion's share of the money. And if I sell you know 10 shirts, I get to keep more of the lion's share of the money. So um, what we decided to do is... Uh, we're going to allow all the old shirts to come back or the month, the month, not all of them, just the monthly, the guitar month ones. But what's going to happen now is like this month, the shirt is available all month, but the St. Vincent style shirt will be available next month, but it'll go to a higher price than all the other shirts. So the old shirts will come back at a higher price. So just letting you know, that's how that option works. Um, just cause I know some people like to wear the, the shirts. <laughs> I don't wear them. Uh, and, um, there you go. I hope that works. So, and uh, on that note, my daughter is in a show tonight. So I'm going to go watch my daughter and have fun. And I hope you guys have an amazing weekend and uh, play guitar. And until next weekend, as you guys know, know oh, hit the like button and know your gear.